You're listening to the podcast series of the German Marshall Fund of the United States, an organization dedicated to promoting greater cooperation between North America and Europe. For more from GMF, including policy papers, commentary, and an archive of podcasts, please visit www.gmfus.org. The transatlantic partners continue to have a very strong interest in what happens in the developing world. This will always be part of the transatlantic agenda. So it's very important for us at the moment that we understand what is going on in the developing world, and in particular in the low-income countries. Can we perhaps start off by explaining why the low-income countries have been particularly hard hit by the current economic crisis? Well, uh, the low-income countries have become more integrated with the global economy, which has brought them many benefits uh, in uh, in the last decades. And in particular, we have seen the strongest and the broadest economic expansion in a long time. The the, the reverse side of that medal is that uh, these countries are now more affected by global shocks. In particular, in the current context, we have seen them affected by lower growth, lower demand for their, uh, for their exports from the uh, advanced economy, uh, lower foreign direct investments as uh, companies in advanced economies face more uh, difficulties, and uh, lower remittances, lower transfers of funds from uh, family members working in advanced economies. Um, so that's the problem. And what initiatives has the IMF been undertaking to deal with this and to help the the low-income countries? Well, the first response was really to scale up our operations on the ground and our financial support to countries so as to uh, help them address uh, the negative fallout from the crisis, in particular loss in uh, export revenues and fiscal revenues. Uh, for, uh, in the first eight months of 2009, uh, we have provided concessional loans of uh, $3 billion, which compares to just over $1 billion for the full year of 2008. And uh, this was uh, enabled by a significant mobi- mobilization of resources uh, for the IMF, including uh, from previously planned gold sales, uh, that uh, would enable us to uh, provide roughly $4 billion dollars per year during the crisis period and uh, up to 17 billion dollars a year through 2014. This has been combined with several changes in the way uh, we provide financial assistance to countries. In particular, we have increased the uh, concessionality uh, of our financial support by reducing interest rates and providing exceptional interest relief uh, for the period of the crisis. Um, We have also tailored our financial instruments more to the very diverse needs of low-income countries to better respond to short-term needs, uh, emergency situations, but also to those countries that seek uh, uh, insurance type of support. At the same time, we have looked at our programs in terms of the uh, appropriate macroeconomic policy response, and here it was important Uh, to enable countries to uh, pursue counter-cyclical policies where this was appropriate. And we have also uh, looked at our um, structural conditionality of programs, streamlined this, and introduced uh, a novel feature in the new facilities that uh, should enable us to better monitor 
uh, social and other priority spending to ensure that they are safeguarded. There are, of course, other multilateral institutions who are helping the developing world, and particularly the low-income countries. And you have, for example, initiatives by the World Bank, like the um, trade financing initiative that they, that they brought forward. How do you work together with the World Bank and with other donors to ensure the, the complementarity of what you're doing with, with what they're doing? And what does this look like in practice? I think you, you can compare the, the IMF to, um, to a, a rapid response team, if you want. Our strength is to be able to provide significant financing and to do so very quickly. Uh, let me give you uh, two examples. In the case of, of Tanzania, uh, with whom we had a, a long-standing non-financial arrangement, um, when they were hit by the external shock, um, we were able to access financing from the IMF uh, within weeks, um, without any additional conditions outside of the uh, existing dialogue that we already had with Tanzania. Uh, Ethiopia, a country that had been pursuing uh, its, its, its own policies for, for many years and did not have a previous IMF uh, program, um, was able also to access uh, very rapidly funds from the, from the IMF, um, while afterwards we then started to pursue a, a long uh, and more detailed uh, dialogue. Um, this is the IMF's strength. It's our ability to react quickly in times of crisis. Um, the World Bank and, and other multilateral development banks, as well as um, bilateral donors, um, have, of course, an ongoing relationship on projects or programs um, that are, in many ways, far larger in financial terms than what the IMF does, but also less able to adjust quickly. They are subject to uh, say budget cycles in bilateral donors' own countries. Uh, they, are, they are subject uh, in the World Bank to uh, annual strategy reviews. Um, and so I think we complement each other uh, quite well. We expect for the IMF that in 2009 and 2010 we will be a large source of financing. Um, and that um, over the years thereafter, our role, in financial terms at least, uh, will diminish, and those of other uh, donors and, and multilateral development banks will increase. So would it be fair to, uh, to say that the role of institutions like the World Bank is to ensure that sustainable growth returns after the crisis, and that what you're doing is basically a holding operation for these countries until, that, um, until growth resumes again? I think what we were able to do in many African countries is to ensure that in the face of a significant shock, they did not need to cut their spending. It's as simple as that. If you have a budget in Tanzania, uh, and you're financing education, you're financing health, and you depend on domestic tax revenue and support from donors, and domestic tax revenue is hit by the crisis, and donors cannot scale up rapidly, the IMF ensured that uh, Tanzania could continue its, uh, its health and education spending. So yes, in the short term, I think we were uh, a very valuable bridge, but we're of course not a long-term source of development finance. That's the role of others. Um, there have been voices in the development community, in particular NGOs, who suggested that although your, your intentions may be good, that the, um, that the money is not necessarily going to be available for what the IMF uh, wants to do. So to what extent do you have the full support of the donor community? Um, many governments in rich countries, indeed all governments in rich countries, are strapped for cash. So are they going to deliver the increased aid to 
uh, low-income countries? And to what extent would that mean that, uh, that the donor community gives less to other developing countries? The, the pictures that we have seen this year is that the levels of aid are maintained in, uh, in real terms, uh, but have not uh, been increased. What uh, the uh, IMF and others have been pushing for is that the advanced countries uh, fulfill the, the pledges that they made at uh, the Glen Eagle summits, which implies a, an inc a gradual uh, increase in uh, aid to uh, developing countries over a number of years. Okay, so we're, we are relying, of course, on these uh, pledges being, um, being realized. I think everybody understands that, and that's what, um, that's what developing, um, that's, that's what the development community has been asking for. One final question, if I wait, perhaps of a more, more informal, personal nature. Within the IMF and among the staff, is it comforting to receive a mandate from the G20 rather than from the G8? Is that an extra sort of push in, in your work to produce proposals, or does it not make any difference? Well, you know, you're asking your question at the personal level, so let me answer at sort of the staff level. You know, we get the mandate from our executive board where, you know, all, all our members, our 184 members, are represented into 24 groups. I think what is comforting is that uh, in the uh, operations of the, of, the, of the IMF board and, and the operations of, of the G20 that you have this very strong consensus in favor of helping low-income countries in the context of this crisis. A full realization that they were sort of innocent victims of the crisis, that had nothing to do with the crisis, they are going to be affected by the crisis, as we were discussing at the start. Uh, of this, of this interview, and therefore it is really uh, essential for the international community as a whole, everyone to pull together and help the low-income countries. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a GMF podcast. More episodes are available at www.gmfus.org.